The sales presentation, I call it the championship of the sales process. A lot of things happen before that. A lot of things take a lot of effort. They're expensive. They're, they're, they uh, take time. And it's a horrible thing to get to the, the championship, if you will, and lose, lose the sale. So again, everything we do is a means to that end, to achieving that yes that we're seeking when we ask for the business or ask for the order. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. I am super excited for today's show. This is somebody that helped me to become an overcomer because I am about to introduce you to my speaker coach. Yes, you all know that speaking is one of the number one fears, right? But People fear public speaking more than they fear jumping out of an airplane. How crazy is that? Well, he definitely helped me to level up my game, and I'm going to introduce you to Gary Terhune. Now, Gary, he has recently been part of, of a best-selling book that was released called Peak, Peak Performance Mindset Tools for Sales. Now, Peak Performance Mindset Tools for Sales was a great book for him to be part of because he has a program where he goes into businesses and his program is called The Ultimate Sales Presentation. So he's working with a lot of corporate America to help them communicate their products and services better and get more clients. But I'll let him tell you about that. Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you, Travis. Great to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. You've done so much for me. I remember we originally made our connection through Todd Durkin. You had uh, been at Fitness Quest 10 or something like that. And, and Todd put out this email about meeting you. And I said, oh, that would be great for me to go to the next level by having a coach evaluate different things about me. And uh, if you don't mind, let, let's give uh, let's give our listeners just a little bit about some of the work that you do with someone such as myself, because I mean, then they can understand the journey that we went on together, if you don't mind. Sure, absolutely. Yes, I work with people who typically deliver presentations, whether it's standing in front of a seated audience, seated around a conference table, virtual, hybrid where there's people in the room and virtual. So there's a bunch of different scenarios. And when people present, they typically want something. They either want the audience to know something they didn't know coming in, or they want them to do something to take some kind of action. And the more often we achieve our presentation's desired outcomes, well, the happier we are and the more successful we are. So there's many things that we can do to increase the likelihood of achieving those desired outcomes. And that's what I work with. Uh, that's the way I uh, work with people who uh, deliver those presentations and try to up their game to put their best foot forward whenever they are presented. Yeah, I believe that our initial relationship began with you doing a presentation of, of uh, pretty much different things that we needed to think about as speakers. And I was like, okay, 
<laughs> here's a bunch of stuff that I haven't been thinking about, which was really good to see that in a presentation. And it was amazing to me that you could help me even virtually to uh, be a better presenter by, well, I mean, one of our tricks was, right, to put eyeballs up around the room. And then you could tell when I was connecting with a pair of eyes. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how you, I mean, remember when I was swaying so much and you are sure. get grounded. Can you talk a little bit about some of those things that you help people to do? Yeah, there's a lot of things that can get in the way of our effectiveness and we don't even realize it. So I work with people on making sure that what an audience sees when they're looking at you, the presenter, and what an audience hears are maximizing their impact. So for instance, the eyes, what we do with our eyes speaks volumes to an audience. And when we're working face-to-face, -face, bottom line is lock eyes with a person, complete a sentence with that person, stop, travel with your eyes in silence to another person, complete a sentence with them, and so on. This is just the right amount of eye contact to build trust, to truly connect with people, and it's something we work on that can make a huge difference in one's impact. Then the other things that an audience sees, one's posture, what they do with their hands, facial expression. So there's a lot of things that an audience sees and it's amazing how much weight they carry in a presentation and in trusting the presenter in front of the room. So based on what an audience sees, absolutely huge. There's also what the audience hears. What they hear is the volume, the inflection, the pace which one speaks, and pausing, and fillers, ums, ahs, sos, ands. So if somebody is umming and ahing their way through a presentation, it could be a hit on their credibility. It might seem like they're not prepared or they really don't know what they're talking about. Even though they might be, they might be prepared and be an expert, but it doesn't sound it. And their perception is their reality. So I work really hard with people on what an audience sees and what an audience hears when one is presenting. Yeah, I think that the work that you do is just so important because I don't think that we realize until we've met with somebody such as yourself, what a distraction we can be to our own message or how we can even take away from our own credibility. Because as you just said, I mean, we could be a top doctor in our field but nobody wants to listen to us if we're all this ums and ahs and things such as that. And so meanwhile, people miss out on the reason that you decided to present. You've had a topic that you were passionate about, that you said, this is my purpose. I got to go tell people about this. But if you don't do it well, then they're not going to get the message. They're not going to take the action that you want them to take. I still use the eyeballs when you know, it's hard to find enough people to listen to your presentations, right? It's, you know, like you need to rehearse. And so I'm like, all right, I got to put up these eyeballs and I, I got to try to pretend that this is my audience. And so that's just one of the tools that I've kept from you. Uh, I feel like initially I was a little bit of a caged tiger. <laughs> you know, how a tiger can pace back and forth. People don't realize, you know, if you're not even connecting with a pair of eyes, as you just said, and then you know, delivering a sentence, but instead mid-sentence already shifting your eyes. And, and when you go to pace, you're not moving on purpose. These are things that take away from your message. People are hearing what you're saying. They're watching what you're doing because it's a distraction, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And movement for the sake of movement, nervous movement, I call it. It's tougher on an audience because they have a moving target. 
So it is a lot tougher to focus and follow. And a lot of times they give up on it. So we need to do every, everything we do, by the way, is for the audience's sake. Uh, so why make solid eye contact? Why have that posture? Why use gestures? And the voice is all to connect with your audience. And again, if we connect with our audience, we're going to increase our likelihood of getting our presentation's desired outcome. Yeah. And I don't want to give away all your secrets. I want people to contact you for the training. Uh, our, one thing I still use as well, uh, this is something that we haven't really covered much of yet, is when you have visuals, which many presenters do nowadays. In fact, you know, some may argue that we lean too much on visuals nowadays, right? But <laughs> you don't realize how you need to absorb, connect, and share until you work with a speaker coach such as yourself so that your visuals aren't a distraction and so that they can have the impact that you want them to have. I don't know if you want to speak to that at all, uh, but I, I, that's something I learned from you. So I wanted to give you credit where credit's due. Yeah. I think the way presenters compete against their visuals is the biggest problem in presenting today. And what I mean by that is, let's just say face-to-face, -face, a presenter projects a visual, typically a PowerPoint slide. What does the audience do? Their eyes go right there, and they're trying to figure out what just appeared. However, the average presenter starts talking away. They're talking, talking, talking. They're interrupting the audience. The audience can't focus on what they'd like to focus on on that moment, and they either give up on the visual and then come to the presenter. Well, they've missed what the presenter has set up to that point. Or they just stay with the visual and continuously try to figure it out. So... Most presenters compete with their visuals. What we need to do as presenters is work in unison with them. And working in unison is to take the audience on a quick tour of the visual as soon as it appears to satisfy their curiosity, then their attention comes back to you. Another thing too, don't get lost in the visual with your own eyes. I'm sure we've seen presenters present like this. They're talking... I call that romancing their visuals, right? <laughs> we cannot make relationships with visuals. What we need to do is reference our visual, come out to the audience, and deliver a point. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. For those that are just listening today, you know, we have both uh, visual and audio, but for those that are just listening today, Gary was just showing us his back. And that was something that he even taught me. If you have to show him your back, you know, please excuse. I forget. Actually, I'll let you quote it. But what you were just showing for romancing the visuals is like all of a sudden you're no longer engaged with the audience. You're just like, you know, kind of talking to your visuals. Right. Um, so could you, you there's rare moments where you might need to turn your back to the audience, but you even have a way as a coach to teach people how to do that properly. Right. Yeah. So if there's something where every word matters, like a, maybe a, a, a quote, maybe a process, maybe a mission statement where you want to get every word correct. So I would say to the audience, pardon my back while I read this with you. I would then turn and read it. My volume would come way up because now I'm facing away from the audience, but they know what I'm doing and their eyes are there as well. Yeah. So yes, that's probably the only time when we wouldn't be eye to eye with someone when we're speaking, but that's fairly rare. It happens every now and then. So good to just acknowledge what you're doing instead of letting it be a distraction to the audience. That's really right. good. Uh, you mentioned that competing with visuals is one of the biggest problems that you see in presenting today. If I were to ask you for the top three, 
if uh, you know things that you come across the most often that you really help people that have a great message to share, overcome these these basic problems with presenting, uh, you know, their issues, the the hurdles that they have to overcome to really get their message across. What are the top three things that you're working with today? Number one would be the visuals. Number two is losing poise during Q&A, especially if Q&A gets a bit challenging, negative, maybe even hostile at times. Most presenters or presenters lose their poise and there goes that presentation out the window. So we need to be ha- we need to be able to handle anything that comes at us uh, with all the poise and competence in the world. And the third thing is a combination of what we started talking about, the physicality, what an audience sees and what an audience hears. So that combined with handling Q&A and working with visuals uh, are the three biggest problem areas today. And there's a lot of things that we can do to be sure we're putting our best foot forward in all three of those areas. I remember those times over Zoom and and one-on-one where you helped me so often with problem number three, which is you you have a big gesture that you should be making with the big words, but too often people don't even make those big gestures and make a small gesture to go with a big word. And, you know, uh, I don't know if you want to speak to how you help people with that, but you definitely helped me to understand how important that was. Yeah, gestures are huge. Two reasons we gesture. One, to be literal. We'll show somebody something. We have a small window of opportunity, so that's a literal gesture. And another way to gesture those same words is just for emphasis. We have a very small window of opportunity. It's just using your hands to help you express what you're saying and the importance of it. And it's amazing. Inflection is always tied to gestures. If I have people that are struggling with monotone, their hands are typically clasped in front of them. But when we get our hands involved, our gestures in a big, bold way, our inflection can't help but follow it. So yes, sometimes we're literal. We're showing somebody what we're saying. Other times we're using it for emphasis. That's so good to think about gestures being an antidote for somebody that suffers with just being monotone because we want them to, you know, get their voice up there. Uh, however, you know, the voice is going to follow what the body's doing, right? So that's really, really good. You know, you mentioned, let's go to problem number two, having that voice when being questioned. Now it's time to answer questions. I would think that that's a, a great part of what you're focusing on today. Can you tell us a little bit about what exactly a sales presentation coach does? Because I got to imagine people are going to get hit with a ton of questions after a sales presentation. Yeah, yeah. So what a sales presentation coach does, it works with people who design and or deliver sales presentations. The bottom line for them, it increases the likelihood of achieving the sale, getting the yeses. And again, we've talked a lot here about things that can get in the way And the words might be fine during a presentation, but if we deliver it in a lackluster way that doesn't appear like we believe what we're saying, we'll probably end up not getting to sale and wondering why. Gosh, I thought I had that. I thought I had that presentation down, but we didn't even realize we didn't come across with confidence and credibility and trust. And let me just say a few words about those, trust, credibility, and confidence. Those are three aspects of character that must be in the atmosphere. They must radiate from you whenever you are 
presenting to someone, whether it's sales or whether it's non-sales related, uh, do they trust us? And that's huge. If they don't trust us, we're probably not going to end up getting what we want. Do we come across as credible? Do we know what we're talking about? Have we earned the right to talk about what we're talking about? They better believe it. And are we coming across with confidence? Do we believe what we're saying? Well, if we don't, why should they? Right? So these aspects of character are the underlying piece of the atmosphere that must be there 100% of the time. Now, how do we achieve that? Right? Well, number one, be a trustworthy, credible, and competent individual. But it's not enough to be that. They must believe we are. And there's five ways that they determine. Number one is our reputation. Do we have a reputation with these people? And what is that reputation? Number two, us proving to them that we understand them and their situation. Number three is the message itself, the words we use when we speak. And number four, how we look when we're presenting. We've talked a lot about that. And number five, how we sound. So those are the tangible things that are going on that lead people to, again, believe that you as the presenter are a trustworthy, credible, and competent individual. Absolutely huge. A couple of questions for you. You know, we started out down this road. Uh, we were talking about that problem number two, having that poise when uh, dealing with the Q&A. How, where do you position as a speaker coach that Q&A? Do you mix it up from time to time? Do you think that the Q&A should come before the close? Do you think the Q&A should come after the close? Because I've seen presenters do it different ways, and I wonder what you recommend. What is the best time to receive questions? And it does vary, yes. Number one, if you're presenting to senior management, you don't even invite questions. They'll ask when they're good and ready, and you handle it when they ask. But just about any other audience, you can let them know when you'd like to receive questions. If it's a potential customer, I would say, as you have questions, please ask. But just about any other audience, if it makes sense, you can ask them to hold their questions until you're done. Now, to be sure, and here's how you might set it up, to be sure we stay on our, on our time schedule, I'm going to ask you all to hold your questions until I'm done with the presentation. One of the reasons for that is we find that a lot of times the questions that you have will be answered later in the presentation. So as you have them, please jot them down. And at the end, I'll open up the floor to questions. So you're giving them a reason as to why you're asking them to hold the questions. Okay. And my other question as we went over those five steps, you know, I kind of had to backtrack and then jump to where we were because I, I just wanted to make sure to ask you that, uh, especially since we were dealing with problem number two about, you know, maintaining that poise uh, during the Q&A. You mentioned message, uh, message as number three. And I wanted to ask you how important you feel storytelling is to the points that a presenter is trying to make. Storytelling is real important and it's popular. You know, we all love stories. We always have, we always will. Human beings always have and always will. It's a break in the data that's coming at us or the points a presenter is making. It's almost like saying, let's take a break and let's, let's tell a story. Mm -hmm. Heads come up. 
if people are taking notes. I got to I got to share a story with you that's pretty amazing about stories. Uh, sometimes I do classes online with another instructor, and we flip flop modules. During one of the other instructor's modules in a recent program, uh, I ran out of water, so I wanted to. My camera was off. I was going to go out the door and grab some water. And as I got to the door and put my hand on the doorknob, the other presenter said, let me tell you a story to the audience. I stopped in my tracks. I turned around. I couldn't leave that room until I heard that story. And I'm glad I did because it was a real good story. But it's amazing. Just the word story is huge. So yes, Sprinkle stories in through uh, in, in the beginning, in the middle, in the end of your presentation. Sometimes we can tell a story to open a presentation. It was 2019, December, and all of a sudden, people, what's going on? Here comes a story. Where do stories come from? Well, if they're our own, we've lived them. We've really earned the right to tell them. But they don't have to be our own. They can be a colleague story, somebody, a friend's story, something we read, something we heard, something we saw online, something we saw on television. So stories come from a bunch of different places. And yeah, don't just give the audience the pitch, the data, sprinkle stories throughout. People love them. Oh, that was a really awesome share what you just gave us. And I really love how you said it was 2019 December. You know, I, I'm sure that a presenter such as yourself that has mastered the art well enough to become a coach to so many people such as myself, you really have to master the details when it comes to a story because all of a sudden, you know, you took me to a time, okay, it was pre-pandemic, uh, I'm cold right now because it's December, right? you know, here we are heading into December and I'm in the Northeast, you're in the Northeast, you know, so we know what December means at least to us and it means something different to everybody, but still by just including those words to start your story, super important. Would you agree to give them a, a time frame as you're dealing with your story to try to take them there? Are there certain details that you would include in storytelling that seem to be a must in order to help the audience go there with you? Yeah, so you do. You set the scene, the environment, and the characters. Where was it? When was it? Who was involved? And typically what makes it a story is there's a problem or an obstacle or a challenge. And choices have to be made. It's a difficult choice. What do we do? Sometimes there's various ways they could go. They choose a way, and then there are results or consequences. Now, I just described that kind of in a sentence, but there's four components to that. Starting with the environment and the characters, there is a problem or an opportunity, a difficult choice, and results or consequences. Now, that is very familiar to us because so many books we've read, TV shows we watch, movies we watch follow that. But in business, we have to take it two steps further. We have to explain why we just told that story. What's the meaning behind it? And how does it apply to you in my audience today? So if we add those components, the stories have impact. And the audience knows why we just told it. Because if we don't add the uh, the meaning or the application, they're like, okay, good. Nice story. Why'd you tell it? <laughs> yeah. No, especially let's take it back to business. What are some of the benefits that you've seen for companies that hire you as a sales presentation coach? I, 
I got to believe that, you know, from doing their normal pitch to doing a pitch with the skills that you've talked about, there's got to be some major benefits for them. Yeah. The sales presentation, I call it the championship of the sales process. A lot of things happen before that. A lot of things take a lot of effort. They're expensive. They're, they they uh, take time. And it's a horrible thing to get to the, the championship, if you will, and lose, lose the sale. So again, everything we do is a means to that end, to achieving that yes that we're seeking when we ask for the business or ask for the order. And you know, I've been talking a lot about sales here, and you're probably thinking, I only work with salespeople. No. Anyone that persuades an audience, inspires an audience, motivates an audience, anybody that is asking the audience to take any kind of action. So non-sales salespeople, if you will, benefit from sales coaching as well in a huge way. Yeah, that that makes me think of a, a good question for you. Who needs to be a good presenter, right? I mean, there's so many categories, right? I mean, are you somebody that would like to persuade uh, a potential employer that you're the right person for the job, right? I mean, and I think the list goes on, but I mean, who are, let's just list some of your customers, if you don't mind, Gary, like the types of customers uh, that you've had. Yeah. So who needs to be a great presenter? Anybody who wants an outcome from an audience, whether it's an audience of one or two people or 200 or 2000 people, they're after an outcome. They either want the audience to know something or they want the audience to do something. Now, to know something, sometimes that's just presenting data, typically up the management chain. Here's where things stand right now. Well, it's not enough to just present the data. What is the story the data is telling us to help senior management make decision and strategize? So we can help with that. So there's, there's a reason right there to become a great presenter. Anyone who maybe has an idea they'd like to see implemented or an idea for change, or they want resources or they want funding. There's a bunch of reasons why we might present. So bottom line, the answer to that question is anybody who is looking for some kind of action from an audience. Let me just back up a second. I'm also talking about you just want an audience to know something. Well, it's rarely the case when you just want them to know. You want them to know so they can do what? Like I remember somebody I worked with and I told them that. They say, no, all I want them to know is to how to fill in the form. I said, okay, so if they don't fill in that form correctly, but they know how to, are you happy? No, no. <laughs> so there is an action to fill in the form correctly. So often when we think it's, well, I just want them to know this, ask yourself so they can do what? Mm, that's really good. What is the action that you want your audience to take? Really, really good. Well, as I brought you on, we talked a little bit about the best-selling book that you've been part of authoring. And uh, just curious, when it comes to being a sales presentation coach, what are some of the other qualifications or some of the experience that you bring to the game uh, You know, that makes that your arena, really? Yeah, well, credibility is huge. We talked about those aspects of character credibility. Have I earned the right to be a sales presentations coach? So for over 40 years, I've been in sales, 
sales training and sales coaching. Uh, not only have I been involved in sales, I find it fascinating. I've read countless books on the subject. I've taken classes, watched things online. I just think it's fascinating because it's not just simply about selling. It's about connecting and motivating and inspiring people to better themselves, to better their lives. So if you're selling a product or a service or an experience, they're looking to better their lives in one way or another. So I work with people to increase the likelihood of getting that yes that they're after, bottom line. And a lot of the things we talked about today work towards getting that yes. We want to be sure we're leaving it on the field, if you will, that when we deliver a presentation, we're giving them everything we've got. And that comes from understanding the audience and their situation, the presentation itself, the message, and how you deliver it. Those three things working in unison are very powerful. Really good. And one of your products that you have is called the ultimate sales presentation, right? What what do you feel makes it the ultimate? Like what is the differentiator between that? I mean, you've been a student of sales for so long. So like you probably put a lot into that, all the different gems that you absorbed over the years. Uh, what makes it the ultimate? And that's it. You just said it. Gems for over the years. I built a greatest hits of everything okay. that I've experienced and learned in over 40 years. You know, I've been involved in different types of sales training as a, as a hired consultant. I've seen a bunch of different ideas, methodologies, ways. I learned some things that were good. I've learned some things that weren't very good. So what I tried to do, and I believe I've accomplished it, is to take the best of what I've learned, put it into a cohesive program that is easy to implement. It's not something that is going to take, you know, years and years to become good at. Uh, take those three areas or those, those, uh, well, I'm thinking three because there's three separate two hour sessions in the ultimate sales presentation. They are virtual programs. Uh, those three steps are discover, design, and deliver. So to take those three steps, put them together, Again, what we're looking to do is increase the likelihood of getting that yes. And putting those three components together to work in unison helps us achieve that. You know, this is really interesting to hear you talk about the way that you put this together. Because my mind, that just kind of works, I'm a very visual guy. I'm picturing Bruce Lee traveling village to village. And they say that how he created his form of martial arts, the best form of martial arts, was there's a Bruce Lee quote where he absorbed what was useful and rejected what was useless and then combined into what was his art form. And it sounds like that's what you've done with the ultimate sales presentation. Exactly. Very much so. Really good. What would you, if somebody asked, you know, what's one unique thing about the program, what would you say? Why people buy, the motivators behind why somebody needs to say yes. Uh, and I'll just go into it quickly here. There are three reasons that I challenge anybody listening to think of anything that people buy or acquire or buy into that doesn't fit into one of these categories. Category one, to, uh, to relieve existing pain. And when I say pain, not necessarily physical pain, but anything negative, 
anything negative in their lives that is causing them pain, they are looking to relieve that. And the, the more severe the pain, the more urgency in resolving it or in relieving it. The second reason why people buy or buy into something is to avoid potential pain. And they might need it, might not even know it's out there. It's lurking. And a very valuable presenter alerts people to something that could cause a problem down the road and eliminating that problem. And lastly, is to achieve gain. Sometimes things are good, but we want a little bit more. We want something to be better. It's to take an opportunity and seize it. So those are three things about my program that are quite unique uh, to relieve existing pain, avoid potential pain, and achieve gain. The means to that end are to understand the client or the potential client. Where are they? Where are they right now? Are they suffering pain, looking to avoid potential pain or achieve gain? So the program, the ultimate sales presentation is built around those motivators. Really cool. Really cool. That's that's deep to go deep into the psychology, but that's really where it's at, right? I mean, it's not just a, a surface type of skill level that you need to develop. You really need to be able to analyze you know, what's going on inside a person. And then, of course, once you can connect with that, you can provide them with the solution that they're looking for, right? Exactly. Like like joining a gym. They, it could be any three of those. Are they in a, Are they experiencing existing pain and they're looking to relieve that pain? Or maybe they're getting a little bit older and they're looking to avoid potential pain. Or maybe things are good. I feel good, but I want to feel better. Achieve gain. So where is that individual? And so, you know, we're talking a little bit about assessing here. I'm going to ask you for a assessment, if you will. I'm someone that knows I'm going to put together a presentation and you could be that someone, whether it's just somebody that you're going to speak at your local chamber, you know, where we have a lot of entrepreneurs listen to the show. Maybe you just want to communicate something important to a group that you're part of. However, I'm sure over the years you've developed a, a checklist of things that someone needs to consider. And so I'm going to ask you what you would ask someone to assess or how you may assess them whether it be the things that they'll do throughout that presentation or even what it looks like to put a good presentation together, right? I mean, there's there's openers. We've talked about stories today. You now there's too much of this and too little of that. And, you know, um, what do you look for when you help somebody put together uh, a good presentation? What, what should we really be assessing about ourselves to recognize that we need some help in certain areas? Something pretty simple that's rarely thought of. A beginning, a middle, and an ending. So many presentations are just one endless middle. Mm. Presenter gets up there and just starts talking, you know, what's the setup? There was none. Uh, when it ends, they go, I'm done. Well, okay. Well, how about a nice attention-grabbing beginning? All right, getting their attention. Maybe using a story. Maybe a quote. Maybe an analogy. Maybe ask the audience a question, and there are various ways that we can get an audience's attention, but decide on what that is based on your given audience. And by the way, before we even get into the beginning, we're thinking about who is the audience? What's the environment that we're going to be meeting in? So the more we understand that, 
the more relevant our opening or the beginning can be. And then the middle is the meat of the presentation. How are we going to persuade them? I always tell people to try to bring it down to three key points because anything more than that can get a little overwhelming. So what are three key points that you're going to make to persuade them to say yes? And it might be as simple as the problem, the cause of the problem, and your solution. So I'm going to communicate the problem. Make sure that I'm on uh, on target with this given audience, right? I would check in with them. Based on what I've learned from you, this is the problem. Am I on target? Great. All right. So understanding their situation. So what's the cause of this problem? Why is it happening? And I would have learned that in the discover phase. So I would also communicate that during the presentation. And okay, based on that, what are we going to do about it? And here's the solution. The ending would be a summary of what you've covered, your call to action, the ask, if you will. And what I love to end with are the benefits to them for saying yes. Let's summarize what we've covered today. We talked about this, this, and this. Here's what I'm asking you to do. And if you do what I'm asking you to do, here's how it's going to benefit your lives. Thank you. And you're done. So a long answer to a question, but beginning, middle, and ending can't go wrong. Oh, that's a, that's such a great ending. That is so good. So good. You just said something at the end that I would like to touch on. Thank you. You know, I, I think that it was you, how positive it was you <laughs> who taught me, hey, take a minute after you say thank you, you know, let them applaud, let them, you know, so when somebody's ending something, since we're talking about a beginning, a middle and an end, what do you train people to do so that it can have the kind of impact that you want to talk to have? Everybody dreams of their standing ovations and whatnot, you know, what What do you want? Uh, how How do you teach? How do you coach people? Yeah. So how do you receive the response of the audience? Uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit humble, I guess you would call it. I'm always a little embarrassed if there is rousing applause, even though I love it. You know, I, I tend to applaud the audience back. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I applaud them back. Receive, receive the love that they give you, receive the accolades, receive the applause, uh, in a humble way, thank them sincerely. So again, I, yes, I do. I thank you very, very much for spending time with me here today. I appreciate it. Say it from the heart, not just thanks for being here, you know, say it like you mean it. And it's a nice way to end. And typically after the thank you, after a presentation, then what questions do you have? There comes Q and A, which yeah. is a whole nother presentation situation. If you think of it. Yeah. And you taught me that pause when you thank you. And when you thank them from the heart, it's like too often people are just so nervous. They're like, okay, yeah, thank you. Any questions? Right. And, you know, and you, you rob the audience, you rob yourself of a great moment. Yeah. Uh, you, you can really let it linger and Absolutely. let your closing be impactful and, and let the applause happen. And, you know, ultimately the culmination of everything. Right. So, so good. And it gives them a chance to appreciate you. They want to show you appreciation. Let them do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've found that people like yourself that 
just put in their 10,000 hours, it becomes 20,000 hours. It becomes, I don't know how many thousands of hours you have into this, but it all begins with a passion where somebody is just so passionate about something. We can't put in that many hours to something that we're not passionate about. And then that passion leads them to their purpose and they become a master and they're able to give back by coaching others. Where did your passion for presenting begin, Gary? In my absolute blinding fear of talking to more than two people. Talk about relieving existing pain. I was painfully shy. I could barely talk to more than two people at a time. And at one point in my life, many years ago, I've had it. I said to myself, I have had it. I am going to put myself in situations where I have to talk to groups of people if it's going to kill me. And I did, and I realized it actually didn't kill me. And then I started thinking, okay, I can do this. And I first then got involved in sales, which involves presenting. And I became a real good presenter in my sales position, good enough that other salespeople were asking me to do their presentations. So I went from not being able to say hello to two people uh, to be able to stand up or sit down around a conference table, whatever it might be, to groups of people. And what a confidence builder when you can go from that fear. And you know, it's kind of hard to believe, but I don't have that fear anymore. I hear a lot of people say, I still get nervous in front of an audience. I don't. I just, uh, I, I love it now. And if somebody else is on stage and I'm not up there, I'm jealous of them. So it's just amazing how far you can come if you do have a desire to change, to overcome something like I had to overcome. And it's amazing. If anybody that knew me back then knew what I did today for a living, they wouldn't believe it. And some people do. Some people knew me back then and they don't believe it. So it's kind of interesting. That's an amazing story. What was, did you have a greatest book or a greatest mentor that you would share in your journey? Dale Carnegie. Yeah. The two greatest books, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And uh, my goodness, I can't think of his other companion book. What is that? How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Those are the two greatest books I've ever read. They changed my life. I think he has one of the oldest public speaking courses too, right? I mean, I I don't know how I'll if it gets outdated or not. But I mean, this is uh, certainly an old course, but uh, he did one on public speaking as well, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And there, and I took their course many times. I was even a person who uh, got involved in teaching it at one time. It's about the fear of, of overcoming the fear of public speaking is what they're focused on. So they don't focus so much on the mechanics like we've been talking about today. It's to overcome a blinding fear of communicating with people and they do a good job of it. I would say in today's world, people need you more than ever. Uh, it's just too much of face-to-face interaction has been lost. Uh, we're able to communicate so often through email, text, social media, and then we have to face a group and we're like, this is strange. You know, what am I going to do? <laughs> oh, what am I going to do in this in-person interaction? So I think it's awesome that you have taken all 40 years and all the different gems from all the amazing courses and all the books that you've read and all the opportunities you've had to even uh, teach what Dale Carnegie was doing back in the day and and put it together for something that you can bring to companies today and bring to other people that want to persuade a group of their opinion or point. Uh, It's just 
So awesome. Thank you for doing what you do. Oh, um, my pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure for me to do it. I'll never get tired of it. Well, you've definitely- I'll, I'll ever retire. I just enjoy it too much. Well, right. You know, retirement to me seems like doing something that you enjoy. So, you know, in some ways say you're already in that retirement zone where you just get to do what you love. That's great. There you go. There you go. Any final words for our audience? If you are fearful of public speaking, like Travis mentioned up front, one of the biggest fears, don't feel that is something you can't overcome. I know you can because I did it. Take baby steps. Take baby steps. And there are people that can help you with that too. Don't feel you're alone. There are great books out there. There are co great coaches out there. There are programs you can take to help you. And I always wrap up my classes by saying to people, there are not a lot of people who are really, really good at this. If you're looking to differentiate yourself, this is an area to really grab a hold of and become a master at presenting and communicating. But use this as your dif a differentiator. So good. So good. Gary, how can people get more of you? Uh, where do they go to contact you, to follow you, whatever the case might be? Yeah, they can go to Gary, Gary with two R's, Terhune, T-E-R-H-U-N-E dot -E com. So that's Gary terhune.com uh, and the website is garyterhune.com uh, my email is gary at garyterhune.com just remember the two R's for Gary okay perfect and then through that website they'll find uh, all sorts of different opportunities and information I'm sure so we'll put that in the show notes Gary thank you you've been my coach for a number of years uh, you've helped me grow and today you helped our audience grow thank you very much my pleasure, Travis. Uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah! Come